Podcast Answer Man, episode number 332. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, everyone. This is Mignon Fogarty from the Grammar Girl Podcast, and you're listening to the man who's trained more people to podcast than anyone else in the world, Cliff Ravenscraft. He is the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet launched that first episode, there's something we can all do to take our show, our podcast, and everything we do in life to the next level. And well, my friends, one of the things that I could do to take my life to the next level is get back on my routine of going to bed early and waking up at 5 a.m. And and that just has not been happening over this past week. But hey, today's episode, I have some topics thrown together here for us and I'll share with you what they are. I'm going to talk very briefly about the podcasting patent lawsuit update I am also going to share with you my initial thoughts about Mavericks, the brand new operating system from Apple. I'm also going to be sharing with you some thoughts about the Keynote software from Apple and how they've recently upgraded it, or some people are calling it quite a significant downgrade. And also, I'll be probably spending a majority of this time sharing with you some exciting things about New Media Expo, specifically some of the, actually most of the sessions that are going to be there on the podcasting track. All right, so the first thing I have here is that uh, Eric Walker sent me a link to um, a press release that says that the Electronic Frontier Foundation has finally brought a formal challenge against Personal Audio LLC's podcasting patent. So you guys will remember that uh, Personal Audio claims that, or actually they were awarded a patent for what they called the podcasting patent and claimed that they are the ones who discovered the mechanisms for delivering serialized content. Well, obviously... Uh, everybody was up in arms, and not it wouldn't be that they would just claim this and get a patent, but they were actually threatening uh, to sue both big and small-time podcast producers. Now, uh, they did actually sue a couple big-named folks, and those lawsuits are still pending and probably will be for quite some time. But the good news is that the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF, they sent out a request for people in the podcasting community and elsewhere uh, to submit you know, some voluntary contributions to help support the legal defense or the legal challenge, I should say, against this podcasting patent. And not only did they call for donations, which they did receive, in fact, they received a total of $76,160. And I, of course, I was one of the financial contributors there as well. But... The um, they also asked if they could ha- have some help trying to find prior art showing that, uh, you know, detailed proof that there were other podcasts, if you will, it, by by the definition and terms described in this podcasting patent, that they there were many prior art situations that you could look at. And see that these were in existence before, that this person had not created this mechanism for delivering serialized content. And they were able to submit three different works of prior art. Uh, Internet pioneer Carl Malamud's Geek of the Week online radio show and online broadcasts by CNN and also the CBC or the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So anyway, there's really nothing to tell you right now. There's no actual response to this challenge that I'm aware of, but they have taken the donations and are moving forward. Now, it will say 
Here, members of the public donated $76,160 to fund this campaign, an amount more than double of what the original what they were originally requesting when it launched the Save Podcasting fundraiser in May. So um, it says here the donated funds will be used to pay the fees and costs associated with this petition. And uh, let's see here. Funds remaining after that will go towards their ongoing podcasting, uh, ongoing patent reform work. Easy for me to say there. Anyway, so, yeah, we are we're actually very happy to hear that this challenge has been made and looking forward to the result. As soon as I hear any more, I will certainly bring it here. And of course, if you guys hear about a result from this challenge prior to my hearing about it, please email me, let me know. And again, special thank you to Eric Walker out there in the community for sharing that with me. All right, the next topic that I wanna share with you is for some crazy reason, I went ahead and upgraded to the new software from Apple called Mavericks. Now, if you guys are not Apple fans, I understand, and I'll try not to go into this into too great of detail, although if you're not an Apple fan, well, uh, you know, it, it's worth becoming one, trust me. Anyway, I had I decided, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and upgrade Mavericks on my MacBook Pro that I have, and I figure, you know, that there's really only one thing that I have, actually a couple things that I have to do on my MacBook Pro. One, to be able to do a keynote presentation uh, when I go on speaking gigs, and the next, and then, you know, the normal web browsing and email and stuff like that when I'm on the road and when I'm in a hotel room. So as long as I'm able to do those things, uh, I'm good to go, and well, I've, I went ahead and upgraded it, and it seemed like, you know, this is a very simple update. Uh, one of the things, for those of you who use Text Expander, there there was some talk of some people saying Text Expander wasn't working. There is a thing, and it actually pulled up right away for me. It says, hey, Text Expander is wanting access to your accessibility settings so that they can actually control your computer. And, of course, you have to tell it yes, and I did, and it didn't have any problem at all. But so far, I, I've not noticed anything that wasn't working. And I had heard so many great things from some other people that I, I still can't believe that I did this. But on my main production machine, the you know, the machine that I rely on for everything that I do on a daily basis, I went ahead and upgraded it. And the reason why is because I've heard people say over and over again, oh my gosh, the multi-screen support is out of this world. And well, as somebody who uses dual monitor all the time and tri- triple monitor some of the time, well, uh, they were right. <laughs> I am so thrilled that I have upgraded to Mavericks for right now since I haven't found anything that doesn't work. But what I will say is for those of you who have used multiple monitors, you know that sometimes you have your toolbar on your main display, your primary display, and if you are using an external monitor, you could move your primary toolbar and your actual, um, what do you call that, the, the, the launcher bar at the bottom. Uh, what are they? Anyway, you, you get the idea. The bar at the bottom and also your, your menu bar. You can move that over to the secondary display. And what happens is I, I have a secondary monitor that is set at 720p resolution. And I use that for all my screencast videos and ScreenFlow. And it, it's a pain in the rear when I actually want to do a video tutorial that actually needs or requires the use of me actually showing, you know, hey, I'm gonna click on the file menu and I'm gonna click here for preferences and then pull that up. And because it's on a, you know, because that was all on my primary screen, uh, sometimes my tutor- tutorial didn't say that. I had to actually either say it in audio and bring the preferences pane over when it came up or, and what I did most of the time is I had to go into display preferences and move the toolbar over to the secondary monitor, making it my primary monitor. Uh, that's and it, Making my secondary monitor the, my primary monitor, if that makes any sense. But that's what I had to do and of course that's how I did a majority of my things. But the problem is, is Afterwards, now, you know, I have to, to launch software, I have to go off of my, I have to go over to my secondary monitor to pull up stuff and also to go to the menus. 
And that was frustrating. So I had to go back into settings and change it back to where my iMac is my primary monitor again. Well, with Mavericks, it you have the ability to, when you're on a secondary monitor or a third monitor, and the most exciting thing, a fourth monitor, uh, and I'll explain to you how I have four monitors uh, at any given time that I want for my one computer. It's absolutely awesome. I imagine I could do a fifth, and I'll share with you how I think I can do that. But, um, yeah, so the actually, no, four is what I think I can do. But anyway, where was I going with this? I don't want to lose track, and I'm so tired that uh, I think I just did. Yep, that just happened. So, anyway... Uh, multi-monitor support, the, the, the ability to actually have the menu bar at the top and your launcher bar at the bottom on any screen that you're on is absolutely a major bonus. And not only that, but when you are sharing a monitor, let's just say you do air display, you can actually have it mirror one of your monitors or you can have it mirror all of your monitors or when you're actually using air display, you can extend your monitor. Now, air air display is where you can actually connect to an Apple TV. And when you connect to an Apple TV, let's just say that's hooked up to this, you know, gigantic you know, 70 inch HD TV in 1080p, uh, you can, if you want, air display out to that and extend your monitor as a and make a, a giant HD TV your your actual uh, secondary monitor if you want to and in fact I'm actually very much considering grabbing myself another uh, HD TV for the studio so uh, that's likely going to happen I, I can see it even before we move into the new place so there's that there are a couple other things one is that another thing is that before when you were let's just say you had a YouTube video open on my secondary monitor, which is over to the left of my iMac. And sometimes I would pull a YouTube video up over there and I would actually want to watch that YouTube video while I'm actually doing something else. There have been some times where I watched like an hour long plus uh, video of a concert or something like that. And when you go full screen, it kind of, it used to take in the old operating system, it used to like make all the other screens kind of go blank. And uh, so full screen mode was almost useless. But now with Mavericks, it can go full screen in just that screen and still give you all your working ability on all your other screens, which is really great. That So that's another multi-screen support. So I am loving Mavericks so far. I have not found anything that doesn't work yet. That's the key word. I haven't found anything that doesn't work yet. And I haven't heard of anybody out there who kind of uses the same workflow that I have and uses a lot of the same tools that I have that have complained about anything not working. So we'll see. Um, then there is, you know, I told you that um, I have four displays. So let me explain to you how I have four displays. And by the way, I could do three displays previously. Actually, I probably could have done four displays. As Actually, I know I could have done four displays even before upgrading to Mavericks. But here's how, and uh, just know that it's better with four displays as a result of having that menu bar on each of the additional displays. So here's how I can have multiple displays. So first of all, I have a 27 iMac, 27 inch iMac that is my main computer, and it's got the two Thunderbolt drives off the back of it. Now, prior to that, I had another 27 inch iMac that uh, you know broke down on me and I had it at the Apple store and they were gonna keep it for a week to 10 days and that's when I bought the replacement 27 inch iMac so that I could continue to do my business. I had a lot of people really um, suggest that I was crazy for buying it. They said you should have waited a couple months because they were gonna come out with a new machine uh, with faster processors and I can't believe that you just went and did that. You could have you know borrowed this, you could have done that. And you know people, oftentimes talk about the cost associated with, you know, Apple products and things like that. But, you know, to buy the replacement iMac, the tw replacement 27-inch iMac, I think it was like $2,200 total. And that was, I believe, with Apple AppleCare uh, added to it. But that week, I created some tutorials and actually did a few things. 
and generated, I think, somewhere between seven to $10,000 within three of those seven to 10 days that Apple would have had my other system. And if I would have had just a, you know, a, a smaller computer or a replacement computer, I would have not actually invested the time to set that, though, that computer up to have it, all the software configured, configured and everything the way that I wanted it configured had I not bought the replacement. So, it, you know, I, I look at these things not necessarily just as expenses, although they are expenses, but I look at everything that I do. Is this an investment that helps me take things to the next level? Is this going to help save time? Is this going to keep me productive? And is that productive work going to, in the end, you know, outweigh the cost? And, well, in that situation, it did. So, I have two 27-inch iMacs. Now, my old iMac only has the, it, it does not have Thunderbolt. But it had it has many display port. And there's this thing on the iMac called Target Display Mode. And I went into Amazon and purchased a mini display port to mini display port cable. And I so I plugged and by the way, mini display port and Thunderbolt have the same connector on Max. So I plugged uh, from the Thunderbolt output or the mini display output of my new iMac, I plugged that into the back of my other iMac. And then to get that other iMac, you have to turn the other iMac on and it will pull up its own operating system. It's its own computer. But if you hit Command F2, it will put it in what's called target display mode. Which basically means it is now just it's it's receiving information or video information and displaying it. So now it is a second 27 inch monitor. Now in between my two 27 inch iMacs, which are now display, you know my you know the older iMac is now a secondary display. Um, in between those two, I have a it's a 23 inch HP you know widescreen LCD monitor. And that I actually have going from uh, mini display port to HDMI. And that has um, an HDMI cable plugging into that monitor. And that monitor is set at 720p. So that, again, that's the monitor that I use to record all my screen flow things off of. It's also the same monitor that I use to share out on GoToMeeting, which, by the way, uh, recording with ScreenFlow and using GoToMeeting, those are things that I have not yet tested with Mavericks yet. Just a disclaimer. Uh, but again, I haven't heard anything bad about either one of those. Uh, in the future, maybe I can update you as, as to whether or not those work. But anyway, so there you go. That, that So basically, because I have two Thunderbolt ports on the back of my iMac or two mini display ports, I went mini display port to HDMI to my 23-inch HD monitor uh, from Hewlett Packard. And then I went from mini display port cable to mini display port cable, actually cable with mini display port on both ends, to my old iMac. So that's three monitors. And then on my, uh, what is that, a 15-inch MacBook Pro, I have an application called Reflector App. And you can find this at Reflector app.com and I'm pulling it up here right now see if I can get a price on this and uh, actually that's not right or else I just can't spell uh, let's see here Ref- is it arrows is it really airsquirrels.com really seriously okay it is airsquirrels.com slash reflector whatever anyway it is uh, $12.99. Absolutely worth it to have it as a secondary or as an, an additional monitor. Anyway, you put Reflector app on your MacBook Pro, or I put it on my MacBook Pro, and it actually works as if it was an Apple TV. So uh, you have this ability to AirPlay. It's actually called AirPlay. I can AirPlay out to my MacBook Pro when the Reflector app is running on it. And I can have that run in full screen. And so I can go into my uh, display preferences. I can go to my monitor or display arrangement. And all of a sudden, I have this huge mission control of four monitors. And I'm telling you, wow, that's awesome. 
Now, of course, I don't necessarily want to have to do that. And by the way, I do use my old iMac for streaming on Thursdays. And so I usually do Command F2 and, and you know, drop that one into its own system so that I can, you know, stream out via Ustream and stuff like that on Thursdays for my live show Thursday as I'm doing right now. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm geeking out. I'm geeking out. And I'm telling you, it's it, it, I am pretty sure most everything that I just told you could be done as far as the four monitors with um, with the old, what was that, Mountain Lion? But uh, I wouldn't want to. It, it, it didn't make sense until now you have this amazing, amazing support for multi-monitors. And my favorite thing is if I was actually connected to a, let's just say the MacBook Pro, and I had, let's just say, a studio audience or something like that. And on my secondary display, sitting here at my view, would be the chat room of everybody, you know, what everybody's saying in the chat room. Well, I could actually mirror just that display to my MacBook Pro, or let's just say, you know, I could air display it to um, a big HD TV, and the big gigantic chat room would be up on that display. <sighs> anyway. I just wanted to say all of that to say that I am really loving Mavericks so far and I'm happy I'm, I've upgraded and uh, provided that ScreenFlow and GoToMeeting will work, that's good stuff. Now, for those of you who are public speakers and you rely on Keynote for delivering your talks, one of the things that you'll notice, especially I think, I don't know if it's only for Mavericks or if it also works in Mountain Lion, but I'm pretty, it might be just for Mavericks people, but they actually have upgraded their iWork suite and they have updated pages, numbers, and Keynote. And Keynote is now version 6.0. And well, first and foremost, I created a, a my platform talk. I created all the slides in uh, Keynote, what we call, they used to call Keynote 09. But Keynote 09 was just, you know, it was released in 2009, but it was really version 5. And the most recent version that they had prior to coming out with 6.0 was 5.3. So I created my platform talk in Keynote version 5.3. And it was great. It looked awesome. And the one thing that I have never used before was the presenter display. In the past, when I did presentations, when I did talks, I tried to load as much of my notes into my slides themselves to kind of give me that next little reminder of that next thing I need to say. And I've I've shared this in the past on Podcast Answer Man. I know that that that's not the most um, effective way to communicate by putting all this stuff up on the screen for everybody to see. It would almost be better if I would have actually just not had any uh, projection on the screen or whatever you know monitor that they have set up, and just used Keynote as you know my own notes. <laughs> and but but the thing is, is there are sometimes where it's very nice to have a visual element to go along with that to really help people connect with the the vibe of what you're talking about. And that's always been the case with my talks. I, I think that I have some pretty powerful illustrations at times, especially some photos here and there that, that just make it worthwhile. But the thing is, is I didn't want to clutter up my slides with a bunch of text all over them, especially, you know, with all my notes. It, it's just, I, I wanted to get beyond that. And one of the things that I never did before was use the presenter window. I, I just, I never did this. And by the way, a presenter window in Keynote for those that don't know this, when you actually are connected to a secondary monitor or TV or whatever the case may be, and when you're in Keynote, you have the ability to, one, mirror your display, or number two, extend your display. When you mirror your display, whatever is actually on the slide, whatever is on the monitor in the in the conference hall, whatever the audience is seeing is exactly what's on your monitor on your computer. So my MacBook Pro would be showing the exact same slide exactly as it appears to the audience because the two displays are mirrors of each other. All right? Or the 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 conference room is a mirror of what's on the computer. 
or you could actually set it to extend your monitor. And when you do that, when you go into pre- when you go and start the presentation, the conference hall actually sees the slide that you desire just like they should. But then there's this thing called the presenter window. And the presenter window has the ability to display things like your current slide as it's shown to the audience over and then um, you can have the ability to show what your next slide is that's coming up. You can have a clock if you desire. You can have a timer that counts down how many minutes you have left in your talk. You have the ability also to display presenter notes. Now, so I'm building my presentation for platform in Key 9, a uh, Key 9. You like that? Keynote 09 or Keynote 5.3. And I'm thinking this is going to be great with this multi, you know, multi display support. It's even going to be better. I'm sure everything's going to be great. And I I'm I'm sitting there thinking, "Wow, I'm going to have these notes to kind of guide me through my talk." You know, if I ever feel like I need that next, you know, what what was what's the first word of that next line or what's the first three words of that next sentence that I want to say right here, um, you know, just in case. And now, of course, I, I think I'll actually get to the place where I won't even need that, but I certainly need it. I absolutely need it as I'm uh, practicing it. I mean, I don't have it all memorized or not that I'm memorizing everything. It's not like, but, but still there's, there's still a couple sentences I want to say a certain way. And, and so it's, I, I do have a lot of presenter notes or not a lot, but I have a, I have like, there are, I have 22 slides and of the 22 slides, seven or eight of them have presenter notes on them. And about four of them have five different sentences. And so that's a lot of notes to me. And I th- those sentences I actually want to perfect and say exactly the way that I have them written. So for example, one of them I know that, you know, podcasting is the single greatest investment that you can make to take your platform to the next level. And there's another there's another sentence that I I think I've memorized is um I don't even think no, actually I don't have it memorized. Let me go to it real quickly and I'll I'll say do to do where's my MacBook Pro over here and uh let's see do 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 Oh yeah here it is this is this is actually what it says on with a with an audio podcast a listener can be fully engaged with every word you say and still be fully engaged in whatever activity they happen to be doing. So that, I mean, now, the the important thing is for me is, in the key words is, with an audio podcast, a listener can be fully engaged with every word. And from there, I don't need anything else. But I, I really, all I need to be able to do is look at the display and see fully engaged with every word. So those are the kinds of things that I need. And I really want to be able to pull this off. And the thing is, is there are like one or two slides that have, you know, like I said, a, a, a couple of those sentences on there because I wanted I, I don't want a ton of images where people are like, wow, look at Cliff's slideshow. I wanted I wanted to keep this number of slides down, but I wanted to keep my talk to be I, I wanted the focus to be on my message not on the slides. And so I don't want to be going through a ton of slides. And that's why I have, you know, so many notes on a just one or two or three of these slides. Actually, it's more like three or four of these slides. So I'm I'm all excited about this. I, I, I'm looking into this. And then um, all of a sudden, I noticed that my when I upgraded to Mavericks and I updated all the software and I opened up my presentation on my MacBook Pro, it opens it up in Keynote 6.0. And I'm playing around with the presenter window that they give you on the thing. And by the way, I don't know that I could have actually created my talk uh, slides on Keynote 7. Forget about the presenter window for just a moment. I'm not even sure I could have designed it. Now, the thing is, is, okay, in all fairness, I've been using Keynote for years. All right. Ever since I moved to Mac, I've been using Keynote. And I know how they're 
inspector window works and I know where all the tools are and I know where the slide transitions and I know where everything is and that's all different. It's dumbed down and it's just different. The user interface uh, is different. Now, here's this, here's the thing I know. I know that they completely rewrote it to to work in, you know, to, to kind of match up with some of the things in the iOS. I, I hate that idea, I you know, but it is what it is. You can't change anything there. The reality is most of everything is there and I could build the exact same slideshow 100% using the new software and it would just take time learning it. Um, and so that's what I mean, I'm going to have to learn some new software. But the thing is, is this like, okay, at least I know I've already built the slides. They're already there. The transitions all work exactly the way I need them to work. Uh, by the way, there are very few transitions, but there are, you know, kind of like things that move. Uh, there's only two slides that I think have transitions at all. And, uh, but anyway, I mean, it, I know that I could build it. it, it it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, but I'm not going to get used to it because I actually decided to go back to Keynote 5.3. Now, why did I do that? Because I went into the presenter window. I actually extended my monitor out to another display and I went into the presenter window and it does give me the the current slide. It does give me the next slide. And it does give me the timer. And it also get or the countdown, uh, or the, the clock or the countdown. And it also does give me my presenter notes. The only thing is, though, is the presenter notes is like, uh, it, on my monitor, it's like two inches tall. And there's no way that I can, I neither, I either need to bring the font down so small to where I can just barely read it if I'm, you know, within two feet away from maybe three feet or four feet away from my desktop or, um, you know, or what I could do if I had, if I had to, I could actually, um, I could have multiplied the slide and every time I went through a note, I could actually flip through, but people wouldn't know because the slide quote unquote stays the same for them. I, I didn't want to have to do that. I, it's, but the thing is, is you can't resize the presenter notes and, and had I not heard that you could do this previously, then I probably would have just stuck with it. But the fact is, is I know that in, from other people the the they are they're able to deliver great talks and practice and and get these things down because they do have their notes they do have them and they have them in a good size font that is readable and and they're able to actually see the previous and next slide that's the thing one of the things that um i can tell you if you're using keynote 7 and you're in the presenter mode if you want to you can actually go in and uncheck the next slide and uh, current slide and if you uncheck both of those boxes it will get rid of those and then your presenter notes will take up the entire screen and then you can have these big gigantic presenter notes and it will you, you'll be just fine I mean as long as you don't need to see your actual uh, what's being displayed behind you so if you have a monitor in front of you where basically they're mirroring what the audience is seeing and what if they're doing if they give you a monitor in front of you to see what the audience is seeing then all you need is your presenter notes and that's great but here's the deal you really never know if you have that or not so i i'm i wanted to be able to do this and i you know i i actually i found a workaround i was able to uh, rearrange my notes in a certain way and I made them a small enough and I made them all fit on, you know, with no spacing in between the lines and stuff like that. And I practiced it while I practiced it while I was on the treadmill last night with myself being, you know, kind of tethered pretty closely to the screen. Now, I purposely set the my MacBook Pro about three foot away from where I was walking on the treadmill to see if I could see it. But the thing is, is if I had to go with this, I would have been somewhat tethered close by my my window. I wouldn't have been able to walk a good five, you know, four or five or six feet away from my monitor. I would have actually been stuck there. And I did not want that. So I went online to see if there's anything that can be done. And sure enough, there's nothing that can be done. But um, 
uh, I actually saw Michael Hyatt say, you know, hey, Cliff, uh, you know, I, I just went ahead and just downgraded back to 5.3. And if you guys are in this scenario and you've upgraded, just so you know, you can go into your app applications folder and inside of your applications folder, if you had iWork or, you know, iWork 09 previously, all you do is look for a folder called iWork 09 and then you will see keynote numbers and pages are in there. Here's the thing though, if you do that and you go to open it up inside of keyword or keynote 09 and it says I'm sorry this cannot be displayed on this version of the software, here's what you need to do. You'll need to actually open up your i keynote <laughs> easy for me to say. Wow. Keynote O Okay, the new Keynote 6.0 and go in and export it as an Keynote 09 presentation. Did that make sense? So you'll need to just go in and export it as Keynote 09 and give it a different name and then open and and basically I would and what I did is I did Platform Talk uh, or Platform 2013 Dallas, Texas hyphen uh, Keynote 09.key. K-E-Y. And so I know that this is my my version 5.3 uh, of the presentation that can be opened in the other software. And then it opens up just fine. And here's what I will tell you. And and wow, I, can, I wish, I so wish I would have taken time to learn about the presenter window all of these years ago. My talks would have actually been a lot better. Not as great as they'll be after actually attending the SCORE conference. But my keynote, my presentations would have rocked if I would have known about this presentation mode. Ah, wow. So here's what I've done. I actually have taken my presentation. The the presentation window can be completely customized. In in the uh, Keynote 6.0, everything's static. You can't move anything anywhere. You can't resize anything. It's either you turn it on or you turn it off and you get whatever placement Apple gives you. But in the older version, <laughs> before you upgrade, the older version, you can customize everything. That you can change the the placement of any of the 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 current slide and next slide. You can change the placement of where the timer is or the clock. You can change the placement and the size of how how much of your screen your presenter notes take. And and here's what I've done uh, for me. My presenter notes take up the entire left side of my of the monitor in presenter mode. And on the right-hand side, I have the current slide on top, which is, you know, as big as it can be in the, on the right-hand side. And then right below that, I purposely made this the next slide slightly smaller, maybe 75% of the size of the current slide above it. And then right below that, I have my countdown timer, which is set to start at for or is set to, for 45 minutes, which will actually begin, uh, it will start right after I start my uh, presentation. Um, actually, one of the things that I did is um, I created a second copy of my first slide because the timer actually starts with the first click. And I wanted that first click to be, um, you know, the start of the timer. And so I'll get up there and I'll see the note on the first slide, which is my very first line. And I'll even tell you what it is. It says, eight years ago, very few people outside of Northern Kentucky had ever heard of Cliff Ravenscraft. And then my, and then I click through and, and actually as soon as I say the word eight, uh, eight years ago, I will know that I will know that sentence by heart and I will immediately as soon as I say the word eight, I will click and I will advance it one slide and start the timer. But the slide will be the same and nobody will notice the difference except for the fact that it will then give me my next notes, which is today. That is not the case. In fact, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world know who I am. Not only do they know who I am, but many of them have heard my story about how I got to where I am today. And if you want to hear the rest of my talk, you can hear it uh, next week at the Platform Conference, uh, or you can hear about it at New Media Expo. But anyway, 
I love the presenter mode and I am not upgrading to 6.0 until Keynote fixes their ability to to completely customize the presenter window exactly the way that it can be done right now in 5.3. So that's a lot of information not completely related to podcast podcasting, but then again, you guys, you know me, I don't always limit podcast answer man to just talking about podcasting <sighs> but we will we will now move on and and by the way that ends the apple focused segment of the show today the next things that i want to talk about is, actually the next thing i want to talk about is new media expo so some of you are not going to be able to make it to dallas texas to hear me speak on you know the the reason why podcasting i i believe that the seven benefits that podcasting offers that proves that it is the single greatest investment you can make to take your platform to the next level if you are interested in hearing my talk about this then you can hear it at new media expo because um and and by the way i'm going to share with you a ton of presentation information for new media expo what's coming up but i will be presenting my talk, the same, pretty much the same talk that I am giving at Platform, I'll be presenting it as a super session at New Media Expo. So on day two, I am actually going to change the title of it slightly to draw in a, a somewhat different crowd. The goal is to actually to bring people who are these existing bloggers out there. And I want to share with them the benefits that podcasting, the seven benefits that podcasting offers that that I really don't believe that that blogging can deliver on, not even not even closely. So um, I'm, I'm my goal and my desire for the platform conference is to have the platform conference attendees, you know, start with a podcast to start building their platform or if they already have a platform to create a podcast to take it to the next level. Now, for New Media Expo, it's somewhat the same. My target audience here at, at New Media Expo is going to be uh, people who are have existing brands, people who are blogging, people who have web TV, and I want all of those people to get out there and, and take things to the next level by creating an audio podcast because they are missing out on these seven benefits, and I really believe it is a detriment to their to their brand by not having it. All right, so that's what I'm going to be talking about, and I'm very excited about presenting as a super session, which is a it's kind of like a some it's like a mini keynote at uh, New Media Expo super sessions. See, normally you have I think like twelve or fourteen different sessions to choose from these different breakout sessions, and podcasting track is going to have three different sessions happening at the same time during those breakout session times. However, instead of having 12 or 14 options during the super sessions, super sessions only give you a very limited number of options. On day number one, there will only be three options to choose from. And I was going to take that. And of course, that means that I would have had a much greater sized audience in my talk. But I want to tell you, I gave that session to Michael Hyatt. That's right, my friends. Michael is coming to uh, New Media Expo, and he will have a super session on day one of the conference. And uh, we're still working out the details of what he'll be talking about. Uh, but he obviously is going to deliver a powerful talk. And I know many of those of you who listen to Podcast Answer Man are going to be very excited to have Michael speaking at New Media Expo. He did this, he actually came out and uh, talked about pl- his book, Platform, uh, Getting Noticed in a night, uh, Noisy World, uh, back at Blog World NYC 2011. And uh, he's coming back to New Media Expo and we'll be talking. And I, like I said, I gave him the super session uh, for day one and I took day two and I think I'll be competing. It'll be myself or you could choose from, I think, four or five other sessions. So anyway, it, it is what it is. I'm I'm still super, super stoked about presenting that talk, and I hope that I can fill that room with a bunch of bloggers who do not yet have a podcast. All right, some other sessions. Uh, Pat Flynn and I are actually going to be doing a session together. It's actually Pat, Pat's session, and he asked me if I would please join him. 
And the title of Pat's session on the podcasting track is called Guaranteed to Stand Out, Authenticity and Transparency Behind the Microphone. And here's the description, and Pat wrote this up for us. He says, you have an advantage over everyone else in the entire world, but chances are you aren't using it to your fullest ex- to the fullest extent. What is the advantage? It's you. Nobody in the world is like you, and there is no better medium to share yourself and your experiences than on a podcast. Audiences are drawn to people that they can relate to, and more importantly, people who are honest and authentic. In this session, podcasting experts Cliff Ravenscraft and Pat Flynn will talk about the challenges and benefits of pulling back the curtain and being completely authentic on your show. You'll discover specific strategies for how to be real, how to be the real you on your show so that you can create a deeper, more effective relationship with your listeners. So that is Pat's talk. And again, I'm very honored that he's asked me to... um, be in that session with him, and that's going to be on day three of the conference. And then I'm also personally uh, putting together a panel session on the podcasting track, and I will pretty much be moderating this panel. But let me tell you who I have been able to land. Now, again, I know that in quote unquote my world, or in you know the in the circles that I run in, and specifically those of you who are listening to this uh, podcast right now, you guys all pretty much have a, a lot of uh, respect and admiration for several of the mentors that I have in my life, and so I cannot even tell you how thrilled I am to tell you that I have a panel. That will include Dan Miller from 48 Days to the Work You Love and 48 Days Online Radio, Ray Edwards from the Ray Edwards Show or the Ray RayEdwardsPodcast.com. Uh, that takes you to his iTunes page or, or you can go to just RayEdwards.com and also Michael Hyatt. So this is going to be wow. Um, and the funny thing is, is I had, a, I had almost had this panel set up for a certain podcamp that shall not be mentioned ever again on this podcast, uh, but was declined to speak uh, because I wasn't chosen by random out of a hat. So we won't go there, but uh, the, the, the session and idea for it continues on. And uh, I, I'm still working with them. We actually have a, a, a description and a topic for this this session, but to be honest with you, I think I'm actually going to adjust it a little bit, and I'm going to be talking with Dan, Ray, and Michael about that, but uh, I know that you guys will be excited to hear that uh, myself with Dan Miller, Ray Edwards, and Michael Hyatt all on one panel together, wow, I, I, I couldn't be happier. Anyway, I think that's going to be on day one of the podcasting track. So I do want to tell you about some of the other sessions that are coming to New Media Expo on the podcasting track. Uh, This will be the fullest uh, explanation so far uh, anywhere that tells you what's coming to the podcasting track. So uh, here we go. One session is going to be titled How to Land the Expert Interviews You Want for Your Podcast. This is going to have Eric Fisher, Jared Easley, John Lee Dumas, and Rick Mulready. Now, those four guys have interview-based podcasts, and they have landed some pretty amazing guests on their show. Uh, it seems like you know these are the guys that people say, "Oh my gosh, how did you get that guy? How did you get that person onto your show?" Well, if you want to know their strategies for how they invite guests on their show and act and actually get yes responses, well. This session is all about that, how to land the expert interviews you want for your podcast. Now, later in the afternoon, there's going to be another topic called how not to screw up your podcast interviews, tips on creating interviews that will increase your credibility. Now, it's very possible to create a podcast uh, interview uh, and botch it so much that it actually decreases your credibility. So how to not screw up your podcast interviews. Uh, This is going to be led by Jamie Tardy and Abel James Bascom. These two are pros at providing excellent, wonderful 
interviews that certainly increase their credibility with their podcast. And so I'm delighted to have them speaking. Uh, Another session, audio branding, ways to improve your podcast brand with the use of carefully scripted jingles and voiceovers. This is from Mike and Isabella Russell from Music Radio Creative. Uh, And I know that they're working around the clock trying to figure out exactly how much they can fit into this session. So I can promise you this. If you go there, you will benefit. Uh, The next one is from Rob Walsh from Lipson and Wizard Media. Actually, I think it's just Lipson now. Anyway, uh, how to audio podcast 100% from an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, The next session I have listed here is welcome to ESPN Pod Center. Wait, don't go. Now, this is from Keith Gorowski, Matthew Berry, Nate Ravitz, and Jay Soderberg. Now, these four guys work with ESPN or work at ESPN and and actually host the official ESPN Pod Center podcasts. And the, the reality is, is a lot of people say to them, uh, you know, well, of course, you guys are huge. Of course, you guys are award winning because, you know, you have the, the name ESPN behind it. And so obviously people are drawn to it. And their response and what this session is all about is, and again, that's why the title ends with wait, don't go. Uh, the reason is, is when they started, they made lots of mistakes. And, you know, the brand wasn't enough to keep, you know, everybody happy. And well, not that they're trying to keep everybody happy, but it still wasn't, you know, they had some things that they needed to iron out and actually provide valuable content. The name, the name alone is not enough. And so that's what they're going to talk about. They're going to talk about what it takes to create a podcast that keeps people coming back. So going to be a great talk there. Uh, the next one is Ken Blanchard, who is going to be doing a talk titled The Power of Niche Podcasting, Three Reasons You Should Narrowly Focus on One Topic. I love that. I'm a huge fan of narrowly niched podcasts. All right, I'm going to pause for a second, grab a drink, and uh, finish reading these off to you. All right, and we're back. So uh, let's see here. Building a successful fan podcast devoted to your favorite TV show, movie, or book series. Daryl Darnell, Jason Cabasi, Rob Sesternino, and Stephanie Ravenscraft is going to be talking about building fan podcasts. And I will tell you, that's how we got started. Stephanie and I started years ago, uh, devoted to a TV show, Lost, and it is creating a fan podcast about something that is very popular and letting that be your narrowly niched focus. Wow. You can build a massive audience, and it's great for what's called, what I call my gateway content. It is content that can draw a large crowd, and as they come to know, like, and trust you, if you have other content that you create, it can lead them into that. So that's going to be a great session. Daryl Darnell, I believe, is going to moderate that one. Podcasting profits, how to use your podcast to generate income. A lot of people out there are interested in learning how to monetize their podcasting efforts. And Jason Van Orden and Jeremy Franson uh, from Internet Business Mastery are pros at this. They were one of the earliest podcasts that I ever heard of who actually successfully generated pretty serious income with their show. And uh, they're going to talk about different ways. And in fact, one of the things that I know that is a personal philosophy of theirs is why uh, you're throwing money out the window if you accept uh, cost per thousand advertising dollars. <laughs> so I, I, I love that point of view. And if you want to hear more about that and generating income, podcasting profits, how to use your podcast to generate income. Uh, then there's the community effect, how to, boy, how to build a loyal, engaged community around your podcast. Lou Mangiello is leading that one uh, from the WDW or Walt Disney World Radio Show. Chris Christensen from the Amateur Traveler. And uh, Stephanie is joining them on that as well uh, to talk about building in a loyal, engaged community around your podcast. And I will tell you, uh, folks, it does not. You do not have to have a community of tens of thousands of people who are subscribed to your show to have a business that actually uh, takes care of you financially. If you were to create a business around your niche audience or your niche industry or field or focus, 
And uh, if you have a community around something that people are passionate about and they're loyal and they're engaged, uh, I think it was Tribes when I first read this uh, that Seth Godin said, you only need about 1,000 loyally engaged people in your community to make a living at doing whatever it is you want to do. And I certainly do believe that. All right, uh, the next one here, from no online presence to six-figure income within six months, a podcasting success story with John Lee Dumas of uh, (laughs) Entrepreneur on Fire. Now, John actually spoke for the very first time at last year's New Media Expo, and he it kind of really helped jumpstart him along with some of the other things that he's done strategically. He's going to share how... He has built a pretty darn successful podcast uh, through through some uh, uh, through the hustle, we'll say. And uh, yeah, so anyway, that's from no online presence to six figure income. John Lee Dumas, how to grow your podcast audience from hundreds to thousands, and that's going to be put on by Daniel J. Lewis, David Jackson, and Ray Ortega. Now those guys are all podcasters about podcasting. And they're going to be able to share with you some tips and tactics on things that you can do to increase the size of your audience. The next uh, session will be titled, uh, Why Podca- Why Podcasting If We're Already Broadcasting? Social Media Slash Blogging Addicts Reveal Why They Started Podcasts. So remember I told you that my talk, is going to try to get these people who are already uh, have successful blogs, people who are already crushing it out there in the blogosphere, uh, but have not yet tried podcasting. Well, Amy Porterfield and Scott Stratton are two individuals who are just a representative of many bloggers who had already had an extremely sizable audience and then created an audio podcast. And they're going to share with you why they love podcasting. And then there's going to be a session start, uh, t- uh, titled The State of Podcasting for 2014. Uh, the session will focus on basically where the industry has uh, been up to this point and what's going on presently and trying to take a look into the future. What is what is happening down the road? And this session right now, I, I've, I've just learned some information uh, that the person who was going to moderate this session uh, is not going to be able to make it uh, to to moderate that panel. So, uh, on I, I this could kind of throw a little kink in there, but it's got Rob Walsh from Libsyn, Todd Cochran from Raw Voice slash Blueberry, and also Noah Shannock from who is the CEO of Stitcher Radio. So I'm sure between the three of those guys, I can work out something. So I'm I'm pretty darn sure that's still going to happen. Uh, matter of fact, I'm 99.5 five six four three two percent sure (laughs) and 37 percent of all uh statistics of course are made up on the spot right anyway uh you have already okay you already have a great podcast so here's how to make it a great business this is actually going to be a session that is led by mignon fogarty aka grammar girl and kathy doyle and they're actually going to talk about how they took their successful podcast and turned it into a great business. And they're going to share the business model that they use for quick and dirty tips. And then another session that is going to be coming to Newbie DX. But there's a lot of sessions. Did I tell you this? Making audiobooks with Audible's Audiobook Creation Exchange, also known as ACX. This is going to have uh, Renee Chambliss is going to moderate this panel. Jason Ahalvo is going to be there. He's a vice president at Audible. Uh, Neil Schaefer is going to be there. And also, and I'm so excited about this, David Lawrence is going to be there. Now, David Lawrence, uh, I don't know if there's anything David Lawrence doesn't do, uh, but David Lawrence was a radio broadcaster on technology topics, and he's certainly been a podcaster, and he, he actually did a voiceover work and, and stuff like that and decided one day he wanted to become an actor and within a very short period of time uh, broke into Hollywood and actually made it uh, to a pretty key character role in the TV show Heroes back in the day. He played this puppet master guy 
and I loved his character on Heroes. Anyway, um, David Lawrence is going to be on that panel. Just going to be wonderful to, uh, time. Now, here's the situation. Creating audiobooks. This session is going to be good for a bunch of people. First of all, for those of you who have written ebooks or regular books or any kind of books, you can learn how you can actually turn those into audiobooks in Audible. Uh, and so that it'll be good for you. And for those of you who have no books at all, but man, you already know how to do audio editing and audio production and you have all this equipment and gear and you're looking for a different way to monetize, you could actually be doing voiceover or production, voiceover and or production work uh, for creating audiobooks for other authors. So again, that's making audiobooks with Audible's Audiobook Creation Exchange. That's going to be a session there. And then um, I'm working with Dave Hamilton from Mac Observer, Don McAllister from Screencast Online, and Andy Inako from MacBreak Weekly and the Inako Almanac. Anyway, those three guys are teaming up together and are going to be doing a session at New Media Expo. And the title and description of that is still to be determined and hopefully we'll have that <laughs> within the next week or so. Um, and then also Scott Sigler, very popular fiction author. Uh, he is coming and speaking at New Media Expo, and we're still waiting uh, to to kind of finalize the details of the to- topic and description there for that. But uh, Scott Sigler is coming to New Media Expo. He was there last year and is coming back. And in fact, uh, Scott, um, you know, Renee Chambliss and also Scott Sigler, they're both from the fiction podcasting community. And one of the things that I can tell you is that there are going to be three live shows from the fiction podcast community that are actually going to be recorded and produced at New Media Expo, one each morning of the three days that we're there. And um, they will actually record like a, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a drama uh, right there in front of the audience. They'll have the ability for you to ask questions after it's done. And it, it's it's going to be very interesting. And then, of course, there's going to be, I think, three other sessions from the fiction podcasting community. And the thing that they decided to do this year is actually create... Um, create sessions that would be of interest to people who are not just fiction podcasters, but but things where their skills and talents, the things that they've picked up in creating these audio dramas with, you know, sound effects and multiple voices and, and people in different area and putting it all together and stuff like that. Uh, they're actually going to share with you a, a lot of valuable sessions. So um, still working on that should have that all done, hopefully by the end of this week. And finally, there are going to be three workshops, three workshops at um, New Media Expo. These are, I think there's seven, oh gosh, I can't remember right now off the top of my head, but they're going to be lengthy workshops. They're either 75 minutes or 90 minutes. I, I'd have to look again, but they're going to be in-depth workshops that'll help teach and train specific things, uh, kind of a, a little bit more of a hands-on approach or something that you can go through and and kind of, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit more training than just, you know, an educational talk. So anyway, looking forward to that. That is an overview of the podcasting track for New Media Expo. If you have not signed up to come to New Media Expo yet, you certainly should. I encourage you just to go over to gspn.tv slash nmx. That is my affiliate link, by the way. That's gspn.tv slash nmx. And that will get you over to where you can sign up for the conference. And of course, if you use promo code, I think it's GSPN20, GSPN20, you will get 20% off. And I'm just actually going to my notes real quickly just to make sure that that uh, code is correct for you. So give me one second while I actually go ahead and launch the music here. I can't believe it. I actually made it over an hour. Ah, Sorry about that. Anyway, yes, GSPN20 will get you 20% off. So there you go. GSPN.tv slash NMX to sign up. Use promo code GSPN20 and you'll save 20% off on the registration as well. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. 
Uh, real quickly, I want to say thank you to the folks behind Tales with Ted. Tales with Ted. It is a brand new website that just got launched, and Ted, the folks behind it, used my Bluehost affiliate link to get the hosting of their site set up. And if you are interested in my thoughts on web hosting and hosting for your website and your podcast media, I encourage you to check out podcastanswerman.com slash hosting for full details. And well, the only other thing that I'll say is I am excited about my platform talk. I'm looking forward to that. And I have a feeling that my platform talk is going to do a lot for actually filling up my podcasting A to Z course that's going to be starting here on November 18th. So it's actually just 18 days away from right now. If you are interested in signing up for my podcasting A to Z course, you'll want to do it as soon as you hear this. So go over to podcastinga2z.com and sign up there. In fact, use the promo code PAM for Podcast Answer Man. Promo code PAM, you can save $500 off of your registration if you go there. And hopefully you'll get in before everybody from the platform conference signs up because I'm going to convince every single one of those people to start their podcast. It's a blast. Anyway, again, thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you in Dallas next week. Or if I don't see you in Dallas, I certainly look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas in January for this amazing podcasting track of New Media Expo. I hope this has shed a little light on why I'm so excited about the topics that are going to be covered there. And of course, the most important thing is the people. I mean, I already know hundreds of my friends that are going to be there. The meetups are going to be awesome. Uh, just hanging out the hallways. Uh, and to be honest with you, I, I, I love I love the, the, the fact that we have all these sessions and they're all great and extremely value, valuable and stuff like that. But my favorite thing is networking with the people. And I do think that if you miss New Media Expo and you're a podcaster you'll regret it that that I, I do believe that anyways don't regret it i'll see you there god bless helping you to get the